0: That was so fun- pl- You break out your Delilah voice every now and then, and it's so smooth. And then and then I just go in with a
1: straight, like, cackle. I was about to say, just a straight, like, gaudy cackle. And then you're like, oh, and Delilah's gone.
0: Yep, there she goes. <laughs> Bye,
1: Delilah. Bye, Delilah. Hello, Cat. Hello, Crystal. How are you? I am so tired. Yeah. How are you? You and me both. I don't know what it is about this time of year, but it's not this oh, time man. of year. Oh man, what is it?
0: Life? Kat, I I work a full-time job and I'm oh, a what full-time grad student. That's true. Here and we do this. Hey, I am a mom <laughs> and I'm
1: in a relationship with 150 gaslighting soul suckers. So, as a full time job. So, oh. <laughs> and not to mention they're all hormonal too. Oh my god, I'm hormonal.
0: Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, you you and me. Uh, well, that makes 151 of us. <laughs> Join all 152 of us this week as we talk about this week's topic yay i'm excited it starts as a love story i know you like these it's actually really really cute oh is it like cute in a deadly way uh well the love story is like cute cute we are going to talk about the um unfortunate kidnapping and murder of denise amber lee so denise was born denise goff on August 6th, 1989 in Englewood, Florida. Uh, Her father, Rick, actually worked in law enforcement for the Charlotte County Sheriff's Department. By the time Denise died, he was a 25-year vet with uh, that sheriff's department, and he was a detective, uh, which makes this whole situation even more sad because her father was law enforcement. So Denise met Nathan Lee in high school. They were absolute polar opposites. So she was more of a quiet bookworm studious type. And he was like a quote unquote cool kid and an athlete. So uh, just literal opposite ends of the spectrum there. Okay. And so you would think that. Nathan would be the one to ask her out. But actually, Denise, as this cute, shy girl, asked Nathan out. Oh, that's cute. I think it's really cute. So they started dating their senior year of high school. And they went on their first date together. And they just absolutely fell in love. Aw. So cute. 3 weeks after their first date was Valentine's Day. So, oh, that's cute. Did
1: he get her something for Valentine's Day?
0: He got her the cutest thing for Valentine's Day. Uh, so they're they're a brand new couple, they just met. It's it's kind of the early awkward stages of high school dating. And now here's Valentine's Day, which is this huge romantic day, you know. Yeah. So, I guess That's Na- actually
1: a lot of pressure for like it just is. 3 weeks of dating starting out.
0: It is, but I think uh Nathan knew and he ended up buying her this $40 like little ring with a heart-shaped uh decal on it and he bought that for her for Valentine's Day. Oh, that's cute. And for their entire relationship, she never took it off. I'm trying to picture. What do you mean a decal? Like a sticker? Uh, they said it was a $40 heart shaped ring. Oh. So well, like they're... I think it was like a a, sil- a like a band with like a little heart shape in it. Uh-huh. Um, I, okay. I don't think it had a stone. I think it was like, you know how like some rings have like shapes in them? Yeah. I'm, I think it was just like a shape. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. That kind of makes sense, I guess.
0: So they, they ended up getting engaged really, really young. I didn't find exact dates, but I know that um, it was young enough that when they had their first son, Noah, Denise decided not to go to college because she was raising their son. Oh. So they were very young. Uh, And then their second son, Adam, was born a couple of years later. Like I said, Denise had her hands full. She was, um, they were a young couple. She was raising their two really young children. So she just decided to put off college. Um, Also, Nathan, to support his adorable little family, was working three jobs so that Denise could stay home. Oh, jeez. That's really nice. Very supportive husband. Yeah. Nathan ended up doing a, and I'll I'll call him from Nate from here on out because I saw him referred to as Nate more often than I did Nathan. Uh, But Nate ended up doing an interview with Dateline a couple of years later, and he said money wasn't necessarily on our side, but it didn't phase us. We were going to be fine, and we knew we were going to grow old together.
1: Yeah. So they're.
0: They're in this um, we don't have money, but we have each other phase. That's cute, though. It's so cute. So they were renting a house in Northport, Florida, which was in Sarasota County. And they really liked this house because, first of all, they could afford it. But it was close enough to both of their parents, but in a more rural area. So they just they really liked this house. But Denise's father specifically actually said he wasn't really happy with the neighborhood they were living in. Oh. It wasn't like it was a bad neighborhood, but this was in 2008. And remember, that's when the huge housing market crash happened. Oh, yeah. So basically, this was a a brand new housing development that was like a ghost town because the market crashed and no one could afford to buy houses. That was why her dad didn't like it much. It was because it was like a, you're out in the middle of nowhere. There's no one really around. It was, it was just concern for his daughter. Of course. But I mean, this was a three bed, two bath house with pretty cheap rent and it was all they could really afford. So he was like, you know, they got to do what they got to do. Yeah. And this brings us to January 17th, 2008. Uh, one of Nathan's jobs was that he was an electric meter reader. Uh-huh. So he was off at work that day. Uh, day started off like normal. He goes off to work and Denise was home with the two kids. And because he worked so many jobs, it was pretty normal for them to check in with each other on their cell phones every now and then. Just really quick, like five minute phone calls like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Are you OK? Yeah, yeah. So at 11.09 a.m., they had one of these phone calls and they actually discussed the weather. Nathan mentioned that Denise should open the windows of the house. Like I said, they were in this period of time where they didn't have a lot of money. So he was like, hey, open the windows. It's a nice day. That way we don't have to use the air conditioning and we'll save a little bit of money. That's Yeah. Reasonable. Yeah. And I mean, he and Denise were on the same page because she was like, you know what? Already ahead of you. I already opened the windows. Yeah. Yeah. Teamwork. Yeah. They hung up. He said this was maybe a five minute conversation. Not very long. And he got busy. And so for the rest of the day, he actually didn't have a chance to check in again until he got off work at 3 p.m. And so he tried calling her, but she didn't answer. Oh, and he said this was weird because she was a stay-at-home mom. They were really, really close. And so he was like, huh, that's that's kind of strange. His drive home from work was about 25 minutes long. And he said he called her eight times on his way home. Oh. And she didn't answer any of them. And it was probably one of those things, too, where you know that.
1: And, and this always happens in stuff like this where they're like, it's – for them not to answer the phone or not to get a call back even if they miss a call uh-huh. like a few minutes later, like the panic that must set in or like you know the things that must run through your mind yeah. at that point because that happens to me, and nothing's ever wrong, right like if my husband doesn't pick up it I'm like they're dead, yeah, yeah that's... okay,
0: you miss the first phone call I'll call you back yeah miss this one too I'll call you back again and mm-hmm. can you imagine eight phone calls and she didn't no. answer a single one. No. Uh-uh. So of course, he's getting more and more anxious. He gets home at just about 3:30 and that's when he knew something was wrong. He hadn't even gone in the house yet and he knew something was wrong. Cuz you know how like it's always the dumbest small detail that people are like I saw this and I knew. Yeah. Well, the thing that Nathan saw that he immediately was like something is wrong. The windows were shut.
1: Oh, and they had talked about her opening them.
0: Yep. And he said, The windows are shut. Something is wrong. So he goes inside the house and he finds his two year old son, Noah, and his six month old son, Adam, together in the same crib. He's looking around because he's like, Where is Denise? And glancing around, he notices that the windows aren't actually shut, they're just pushed down like somebody really quickly went through and just like shoved all the windows down, but they didn't t- take time to fully close and latch them. So that was another thing that he was like this is weird. Denise's cell phone and keys were sitting on a chair, but no Denise. So Nate calls 911. And he reports his wife missing. He said, "You know, I came home, she's not here. I'm worried." Uh, the operators go through the standard. Like, I actually didn't see much about this nine one one call. By the way, six total nine one one calls in this case. Oh wow! Yeah, why so many? Oh, you'll learn. So this initial call, there actually isn't there m- that much information on it. Okay, but after that phone call, he calls Denise's dad because first of all it's Denise's dad but also yeah. Denise's dad is a detective so i think Nate knows like if anybody can get something done it's this guy yeah so i guess Rick had actually been trying to reach them he had left Denise a message saying hey do you guys want to come over for dinner and
1: he got nothing back
0: yeah so yeah. but when Nate called he immediately thinks she waited for him to get home so they could talk about it and now they're going to let me know if they're coming or not yeah so when he answers the phone he, he doesn't know pleasantries. It was just, yeah. hey, you want to come over for dinner? Yeah. Nate goes, I can't. Denise is missing. Oh, and I bet dad panics. The, the cogs kind of start cranking up. And he says, you have to explain what you mean by that. Nate says, I'm telling you, she's missing. So now Rick is in full blown. He's like, OK, I know what is going on here. I have to get things going. And yeah. his detective mode is up and running. And you know what they say? Like the husband always did it.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the first person they look at.
0: Rick knew that this would be the first person they looked at. And they and Rick knew if they did that, they would lose time. Because Rick trusted Nate completely. And he was like, it was not him. Yeah. So what Rick does Is he calls his own jurisdiction. So remember, Denise and Nate live in Northport. Rick works for Charlotte County. So the first thing Rick does is he calls his own jurisdiction. uh, And he says, hey, my daughter is missing. I have all this going on. Do I have your permission to go to the Northport Police Department and tell them that I'm going to help them? And they go, yes, do what you have to do. Yeah. So then Rick calls the Northport Police, Depar- Police Department and he says, Hey, so you got a report of a missing person. This is my daughter. I need you to take this seriously because here's the reasons why I'm a detective for this other agency. I am telling you that this is not normal and we are going to get on this and my department will help your department. Good. So
1: he's getting after it.
0: He is. And he tells the Northport Police Department, he says, I understand if you guys have your own protocols, but I have a helicopter and I have search dogs like ready to come out here. Can we just bring mine out here so we can get this going? Yeah. And I don't I don't know if they immediately said yes. Um, I'm guessing they probably said, oh, give us a minute. Yeah. But the police did come out to the house really quickly. Well, good. They start canvassing the neighborhood, knocking on doors and they get their first clue from the next door neighbor. The next door neighbor had a family uh, member. I don't know if it was a cousin, daughter, whatever, but they had an out-of-town relative staying with them named Jennifer. Jennifer said that around 2.30 p.m., she saw a white man in a dark green Chevy Camaro parked in the Lees driveway. She said that the man was sitting there for a good 15 minutes. She went inside, and after she went inside, she heard him leave.
1: So he was only there for 15 minutes? That she saw. Sitting in the driveway? Yes. But again, that she saw.
0: Yeah. Okay. And he was sitting there for 15 minutes. So she hasn't seen anything else. She went outside, saw him sitting there, and that she just knows he was there for about 15 minutes. Okay. And that was about 5 p.m. they get this description. This is two and a half hours after they've seen this guy. Okay. Meanwhile, Rick is... He's not just getting the police on this. He is calling uh, media networks to get the news out. Oh, he w- he's working fast. Oh, yeah. He is on it. Mm-hmm. Because they actually have a family friend that works for the local NBC news outlet. Oh. And he was like, hey, my daughter's missing. You want an inside scoop? You come out here and you help get the story out so we can find my daughter. What a connected family. Place. Right. The news? Yeah. So this guy, his name is Howie Grace, was on his way out to the house. So he's driving to uh Nate and Denise's house so that he could cover the story. Yeah. He said everyone you could imagine. Like on his way there, he saw everyone. He saw highway patrol, marshals, the sheriff's office from two different counties. Everyone. And
1: that's exactly what you want to see when your child goes missing, no matter if they're a young kid or an adult. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And this is within two and a half hours of Denise going missing. Or of her being reported missing.
1: He is getting stuff done. Yes.
0: And at 6.14 p.m., a really scary 911 call comes in. Oh, no. Nate and Rick were together when... They found out about this phone call because the woman on the phone was claiming her name was Denise. What? And Rick made a comment about it was like probably some dumb kids making jokes and he got pissed about it.
1: So he didn't. Did he hear the voice or he just didn't believe it was Denise from the get go?
0: It was before he heard it, but they got a recording and they played it and they uh-huh. were immediately they were like, that's Denise. Oh, wow. Wow. So it was it's, her. It's a scary phone call. It's about six minutes long. Oh, no. I am. I'm going to play two sections of it for you. I won't play the whole thing. This first section, it takes the 911 operator way too long to figure out what is going on here. Okay. So uh, it's really difficult to hear. The muffled voice is Denise. The clear voice is the operator.
1: The Okay. Okay.
0: So here. Oh, sorry, Hello. Hello. What are you to me, where
1: do you go? hello please, you please, 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 please,
0: Hello? I'm sorry, call yeah. oh, yeah, Hello? Oh, to me. Oh, God, please? Oh, yeah, what? Hello? Help me. What's the
1: address? Oh, What's the address that you're at? Oh, my God. That is horrible to listen to.
0: I I deliberately am not playing the whole thing because it gets worse. Oh, no. But do you hear how many times the operator was like, hello? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. I, I wanted to yell, turn it. Like, listen.
1: Yep. Stop saying listen hello. Listen to what is
0: happening.
1: Because you could also clearly hear
0: the guy that whoever was with her. Yeah. Too. In yeah. the background. Yeah. Yeah. So. Eventually, the operator catches on and starts asking her more pointed questions. And Denise is so fucking smart because for six minutes on this phone call, Denise makes it sound like she is pleading with the guy that she's with, but she's answering the operator's questions.
1: Oh, so, so almost as if the guy doesn't know she's on the phone with 911.
0: He doesn't. Oh, so that's I'm going to play the end of the phone call for you now because you can hear um, you'll hear it. The operator starts asking okay. better questions and Denise is able to answer them.
1: OK. Can you tell at all what street you're on? No. Do you know this guy that's with you? No.
0: You don't know him from anywhere? No. What's your
1: address? What's your home address, you know?
0: can you just take me to
1: my house? Can
0: you me home? Can you see or do you have a blindfold on? I can see, mommy. Can they turn off the radio or turn it down? I can't hear you. It's too loud. Are you, you going to help me? Are you
1: going to help me out? Now? What a smart girl. Holy moly. Yeah. I'd be losing my mind. I don't know that I would be able to keep my wherewithal to like,
0: you know. Oh my God. It's so clear how smart she is, but we'll get into it later. Um, I'm pretty sure that this is an edited copy of the call because when I was looking at reports of the court proceedings, they said that she was able to get her full address out. She was also able to sneak into the call the fact that she had two young children home alone. And like, she was able to get so much information out.
1: Yeah. Seriously.
0: At certain points during the call, you actually hear the man going, Where's my phone? Do you have my phone? And she says, oh, I don't is know she where you're-
1: calling from his phone. Yes. <gasps> oh, this chick has. Uh, yeah. Wow. So,
0: so that. Call comes in, and Nate and Rick are like, That's Denise.
1: She's my hero.
0: Oh, she's uh, this woman. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, I mean, Denise is really smart. I think it took the operator way too long to get it together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. Well, it sounds like the operator figures it out, like at some point.
0: But it took her over two, it took her like three minutes to get it together. That's a really long time.
1: That is. That is. So.
0: So Rick, he's a detective. He knows how all this works. So his first thought is first, like, oh, my God, that's my daughter. Like, listen to how distraught she sounds. His next thought is, but they're on a cell phone. They can track this. Yeah. Except they can't because it was a prepaid phone. Oh, like a burner phone. Yeah. So they were Mm. able to get like cell phone pings. But because burner phones don't really have a GPS like normal phones do they couldn't actually track it so all they know is that she's in this area which they knew already yeah i don't i don't know if a lot of people know this but when you get a burner phone you actually do have to register it like you have to register the phone number in order to start using it do so you? yeah do people just put fake names then sometimes they do But I don't know if you can. I've never actually registered a prepaid phone. I have registered a prepaid credit card because those are the, like, the Visa gift cards. You have Uh, to register those to an address and a name. You can't just use it.
1: Really? Oh, well, yeah. With those credit cards, that makes sense. But with
0: burner phones... You have to register it to a name and an address.
1: I wonder, so then how people who, like, commit crimes and use burner phones and do they just use obviously fake Probably. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um so they were able to take this phone number and connect it to a name. And this man's name was Michael Lee King. And no one in the family knew anything knew. about this guy. Yeah. So then another 911 call comes in at 6:23. And this one is from someone in Michael's family, oddly enough. Uh oh. This girl's name is Sabrina Muxlow, and Sabrina's father is Michael's cousin. Sabrina's father is Michael's cousin. Okay. I didn't know how to articulate. Is, does that make him her great uncle or or cousin once remove removed? Something like that. Something, yeah. Um, But anyway, Sabrina told the operator that Michael had stopped by their house with a woman tied up in his car. Oh no. That Michael did? Yeah. Okay. That was really all that she knew. She said the the woman had gotten out of the car and she didn't call him Michael. She called him my dad's cousin. Okay. But she said, my dad's cousin shoved her back in the car and then left. And it turns out that the Muxlow's house was only four miles away from Denise and Nate's house. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So at this point, I mean, it's almost 630. Police know that Michael is driving around with Denise in a vehicle. Yeah. And it turns out Michael is driving on a very busy highway. He was driving on Highway 41. Okay. This is, um, I don't know much about this. I know it's a highway, so it's got to be big. And it's a 55-mile-an-hour road, so it's it's relatively high traffic. And he pulls up to a stoplight because, you know, obeying traffic laws is how you avoid getting caught. Mm-hmm. Except Denise was screaming her goddamn head off. Well,
1: I hope they help her.
0: And this was just a couple of minutes after her 911 call had ended. Oh. Because, oh, so
1: after the one that we just heard? Yes. Okay.
0: Uh, that phone call ended because Michael found the phone. <gasps> oh, no. Yes. Oh. So you got to think how Denise was crying on that phone call. That yeah. times like 100. Oh, she my God. Yeah. Screaming her head off. Oh, gosh. There was a woman in the next lane over next to Michael's car who heard the screaming. And she said she was sitting at this stoplight and she heard the screaming so she kind of looked over because she said, "Quote, I had never heard anything like it before." Oh man. So she turns, she makes eye contact with Michael the driver and he takes off. And just before he takes off, this woman her name is Jane sees a hand come up from the passenger side and start banging on the window.
1: Oh my goodness. So
0: Jane is like, this is a child abduction that I am watching. And she calls nine one one. So this is now call number three, by the way. Okay. So this call comes in at six 30 and she is able, she actually follows Michael And they're in some kind of weird standoff where Jane was driving next to him and she was trying to slow down enough to let Michael pull ahead of her so she could see his license plate because she's on the phone with 911. She gives them cross streets. She says that there is a child being abducted that is screaming, I don't think that she belongs in this car. It's oh, so a, she thought
1: she was a a, a child, yeah. or did she just say that to make it more urgent?
0: She thought it was a child because okay. all she could see was the hand. Yeah, um, and she said uh, it is a dark blue or black Chevy Camaro. Uh, this guy is driving. We're at this street. Now we're at this street. Now we're at this street. And Michael slows down because he obviously knows that this woman is watching him. And all of a sudden, he slams on his brakes and crosses behind jane to turn down a different road and so now jane is ahead of him and while she's on the phone she goes do you want me to turn around the traffic's heavy i don't think i can and the operators are like no i think we have enough i think we're good so jane's like okay
1: and she gave him the plate number and everything
0: she couldn't get it
1: but didn't you say that when when he turned, wasn't she in front of him now? She couldn't look in the rearview mirror?
0: No, because he slammed on his brakes and like oh, jutted to the left really okay. fast.
1: Okay. Ugh. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, like I said, this was a 55 mile an hour area. Yeah. They were slowed down to about 35 miles an hour by the time he turned. And this is during rush hour. So people are packing up behind them. So you can imagine she's caught in this place where like, she can't get any information, and she can't follow him. Oh my goodness! And so, you know, police had helicopters out looking for this Camaro. Um, notice, I said that Jane told them it was dark blue or black because yeah. it was getting towards twilight. She couldn't actually see oh, that it was green. See the
1: actual? Oh, that sucks. Yeah,
0: and there were police cars all over this area looking for a camaro they knew they were looking for a camaro yeah by 6 42 p.m police made it to michael king's home and they realized that he had already been there and already left so they just barely missed him oh that sucks inside the house they found duct tape with hair caught in it and so they were like somebody was here like we know that somebody was here so now six fifty p.m. So uh, sometime around the same time that Jane's phone call came in, there was another phone call that came in from somebody who was standing on the street corner who also saw the woman beating the window inside the vehicle. So Jane and this other man both called in nine one one calls. So that's okay, so like one
1: after another,
0: or or even at the same time. Oh, okay. So those were calls four and five.
1: Okay. Now call number. Did she get the plate number? Did anyone get, no? No.
0: But at that point, I don't think, like, they have so many people looking for this specific car. I don't think they really need the plate number. They all know what they're looking for.
1: Yeah, that's true. But I was just, yeah. And they already know who they're looking at, too. The Michael guy. So I guess it really doesn't matter.
0: So now 6.50 p.m. Call number six comes in. And this one's really fucking weird. I'm, I'm just going to play it for you. Oh. this uh, It's from an anonymous caller. 911,
1: what's the location of your emergency? Um, it's, uh, I'm not sure exactly what the emergency
0: is exactly, but I think there's somebody that's been taken without the... Uh, they don't want to be where they need to be. Uh-huh. And they're in the 95 Green Camaro, Northport someone. Okay. How do you know this?
1: I know. Is he gonna hurt the girl? Uh, I don't. Know. Did you saw them though? Yeah. And where where was she? Uh, In the car. Was she okay? Yeah, you you want to do that. Is that Michael or is that somebody else?
0: It's Michael's cousin.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And so, like. Uh, immediately the police are like this isn't a fucking anonymous caller but like the way that he puts it is weird he's like somebody looks like they uh don't want to be where they're at
1: yeah he just sounds like it didn't even sound urgent
0: yeah did you catch that at the beginning he's like um i'm not sure what the nature of the emergency is yeah he's uh, like
1: hey uh just thought i'd call
0: yeah so yeah. police immediate were uh, and also this came from a payphone, but it okay. did not take police long to be like anonymous my ass we know who this is
1: exactly so they
0: go to this guy's house his name is harold muxlow he's sabrina's father
1: sabrina michael's niece
0: ish how old was sabrina she was um man i think she was 15 okay Uh, yeah. So Harold is Sabrina's father. Harold is Michael's cousin.
1: Okay. I get it. Not that it even matters, but let's just get the fucker. Okay. So they
0: go to Harold's house and they're like, Hey, Mr. Anonymous, what you got? And so he said, okay. So Michael called me earlier this afternoon and he told me that he, his lawnmower was stuck in a ditch And he needed some gas and a shovel. So I I told him to come over and he could borrow that stuff. Okay. And around 6 p.m., Michael stops by, gets out of his car to grab the items. And while he is grabbing the stuff, Harold sees a woman, like, jump out of Michael's car. The two of them struggle before Michael, like, shoves her back in. But before she gets shoved back in the car, she shouts, call the police to Harold. So, like, Michael shoves her back in the car. He turns to Harold and he's like, don't worry about it. And then he leaves. And, and Harold, Harold doesn't worry like, about it. What? Yeah. Apparently, Harold was like, I just thought this was one of Michael's crazy relationships and I didn't want to get involved.
1: Oh, my goodness. Why are people so ridiculous? Right. Ugh, and I think on, it was Harold. because
0: Sabrina called 911 that Harold was like, "Huh, maybe I should call 911." <laughs> Harold is such like a ugh, I'm sorry Harold, if any of our listeners sorry. are named yeah. Harold, but like yeah. Harold I mean, is an awful name. It's uh, that scary stories to tell in the dark, the dumb scarecrow's name is Harold. Oh, that's right. This fucker's Her- name is Harold. I don't like anyone Harold named Harold. I'm sorry. Together. Yeah, I'll sorry, call you Harold. Harry.
1: Yeah, we're done.
0: Anyway, uh, for about two hours after Harold's phone call, zero leads. That No one sees Michael. And no one finds Denise. But around 9.16 p.m. Actually, around at 9.16 p.m., a state trooper pulls over a dark green Camaro. And Michael King was behind the wheel. Oh, so they got him. And Denise was not in the car.
1: Oh, no, I was afraid you were going to say that.
0: Harold was soaking wet from the waist down. He had a cell phone with the battery removed in his pocket and a muddy shovel in his car.
1: Oh, no, that obviously can't be good.
0: So police obviously arrest him and they bring him down for interrogation. They also grab Harold and they're like, Harold, go in that room and talk to your cousin. (laughs) And Michael, I don't, the audacity of this dude. He's like, dude, I was hijacked. Like me and that girl, we were both kidnapped, (laughs) but I was blindfolded. So like, I didn't see anything. And, (laughs) and dude, like I even tried to get 911 on the phone. So like, He's obviously trying to create the story of the 911 call that he knows Denise made.
1: 100%. Yeah. Does he really think the police
0: are going to believe him? Yes, because then he leads them. The police are like, oh, oh, take us to where you were abducted. Maybe there's clues there. Oh so he takes goodness. him to some random ass place and the police Repars. are like, what the fuck is this? No. <laughs> so they arrest and him. And he's like,
1: yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they were like um bullshit. Yeah. Uh, you're you're now charged with kidnapping, by the way. Come on, dude. Yeah. Uh so, of course, I mean, this is really late at night, so now we're getting into the next day. Of course, the news is blasting his photo everywhere. They're like we we uh the police made an arrest in that missing woman's disappearance, and Jane was watching the news. She sees this man on the news and she's like that's the guy who i saw oh. and then she was like oh crap they think that i was calling in a child abduction and i just realized i was calling in about this so she calls the northport police department and she says hey i'm the 911 caller that called this in do you need any more information from me i'm i'm more than happy to give you anything i know okay so of course they say tell us <laughs> Us. Tell us tell more information that you know. <laughs> they say what 911 call.
1: What do you mean what 911 call? She made the 911 call.
0: They didn't know what she was talking about. Oh, because it was about a child. No, they didn't even know. Like she went in and she was like, I'm, I'm the one who called in about this child abduction. I just realized that it was about this. And they go, what are you talking about? Was it because there were so many? It was because while they were in the car, they had crossed over into Charlotte County. So her phone call had gone to a different jurisdiction.
1: Northport
0: is in Sarasota County, but it is right on the county line. And when I say right on the county line, like literally the street light that Jane and Michael were sitting at is like on the county line.
1: Oh my gosh! So right there,
0: yeah. So oh no. So the call was routed to Charlotte County's nine one one dispatch. One of the because she was calling it in as a child abduction, right? You kind of keyed it on this. Yeah, uh, there was like this whole misconnection, but the dispatcher figured out that hey. The fact that this is a Camaro, it's a dark color, it's in this area. I think this is related to the missing woman, not a missing child. So the dispatcher shouts to another dispatcher. So I didn't know this until recently. I started listening to um, a podcast called Within the Trenches. It is so good. What is that just another true crime one? It is. And it's told by a 911 dispatcher. About Oh, you know, I, did I, I heard about this. It is so good. I should start that one. So they have like 400 episodes. It is so good. Okay. And I actually heard about it because he was talking about this episode. Oh. That he was talking about this. Like he gave his own this insight one. into it. So I didn't know this, but um apparently dispatch centers, not everywhere, not all of them are the same, but a lot of them different dispatchers do different jobs. It's not just like a call center where everyone does everything. They have like dispatchers who take the phone calls. They have a couple of dispatchers who run the information on the radios to the police. They have a different oh. dispatcher who is in charge of running plates and running information. So all of them kind of have different jobs. I had no idea. I didn't either. This Podcast is so interesting. I highly I'll recommend have, it. I have to listen to that one. It's called Within the Trenches, also. The okay. host, his name is Ricardo, and he has the most wonderful voice. Oh, you know I love a good voice. You are gonna love this podcast. Oh, it I'm is excited. lovely. Anyway, um, the dispatcher who made the connection that hey, I think this is related to this missing woman, shouts to the operator on the other side of the room, hey. This call has to do with this missing woman. Here's the information. You need to get it to that other jurisdiction. That operator goes, yep, heard you. Oh. And no one called it over. Oh. Somehow. So it just
1: got lost in. In 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 the mix, yeah. So
0: somehow both operators thought the other operator had reported it.
1: Oh, that and, sucks. And that that's meant... a, a huge mistake in the 911 world I would assume. Oh,
0: yes. And so somehow no one reported it. So as a result, police that's didn't awful. know the specific areas because remember Jane was giving them cross streets of where they were where they were going. Mm-hmm. And the road he turned down, she gave them the exact name, so they knew right where he was. And so when Michael King drove right past a police officer who was sitting at that road. Oh, my gosh. With Denise screaming in the car. Ugh. They did not stop him. I
1: bet when they found out about that and, like, when they put, like, they connected all the dots on that, someone had a serious oh, shit moment.
0: Oh, yeah. There was an internal investigation conducted. Oh, wow. Um, The Charlotte County Sheriff, John Davenport, Uh, conducted this internal investigation. And now remember, Denise's father, Rick, works for this department.
1: Yeah, I was just about to say, uh uh-oh, someone fucked up.
0: Well, John gets very defensive when people blame those dispatchers. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. And actually, Uh, I I, I think he took it one step too far because Sheriff Davenport said, if my department is guilty of anything, it's trying too hard. Oh. Remember, they had told Rick that they would help. That's true. And so Sheriff Davenport says that my team was doing everything possible to try and help. And they were going above and beyond. And in the midst of all this chaos, it just got lost. That sucks. So. Well, I mean, honestly,
1: that. That kind of says a lot about him, too.
0: I mean, the fact that he has his team's back, but he's also not admitting how big a problem this is. And it is a huge problem. So after the internal investigation, four of the dispatchers working in that call center were ordered to take extra training. And the two dispatchers specifically involved in this were suspended for a couple of days, but Uh they were ultimately able to go back to work. Well,
1: at least they didn't lose their jobs, I guess.
0: But imagine being Nate Lee. No. And he was like, are you kidding me? No. Yeah. So anyway, volunteers kept searching for Denise. And on the 19th, two days after she went missing, a canine unit found her in a shallow grave half a mile from where Michael King was pulled over. So let's learn some things about Michael Lee King. Okay. Hit me. Michael was born May 4th, 1971. And he had a pretty low IQ. He wasn't like dumb, but he he wasn't the sharpest tool. Yeah. Um. I guess as a child, he had a really bad accident while sledding. During the trial, an expert witness described his injury as a divot on his brain a divot on his brain i'm just like imagining like you know when you're golfing and you accidentally like get some of the green the grass and you you create like a little <laughs> in, in the grass oh yeah 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 i'm picturing that <laughs> like in the side of his head yeah that's a, that's a weird yeah anyway he had been trained as a plumber michael had been unemployed for several months before denise's murder but that's because he just randomly stopped showing up to work. Oh. So, like, sometimes you get fired for that. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> you're an idiot. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. He had moved to Florida from Michigan in 2002 after he and his wife had a pretty nasty divorce. Okay. At the time that he kidnapped Denise, he was facing foreclosure on his home. And his home was in Northport. I think it was only a couple of miles away from Denise's house. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This is a small world. Yeah. um, This whole thing happens within like a six mile radius. Jeez. It's awful. Uh, Really weird. The morning of January 17th. So the morning before the kidnapping, he went to a gun range and just like, yeah, his name was on a sign in sheet. He just like. Add some recreation time. This is weird. It's a weird little like
1: that is, yeah. detail. Yeah. You know? yeah.
0: Michael did not have any criminal history, which is really surprising given one the the nature of this crime, but also two, some of the stories that came out after police arrested him and they were conducting interviews. Uh huh. A local salon owner said that Michael was a regular. She knew him really well. Uh huh. She described him as pretty quiet and unassuming. But she said, you know, one day he brought a very young girl into the shop. Okay. Um, He told everyone she was 15 years old and he had met her online. And then they started making out at the counter. Ew. Yeah.
1: And no one was like, um,
0: hello? Apparently everyone was really uncomfortable, but somehow none of these people thought to call police on the child molester. Oh, God, people are... People are dumb. Yeah. And apparently, this one actually, I think, is even worse. Apparently, there were complaints about him from his old workplace. That one complaint that he exposed himself to a woman while on the job. And another allegation that he had actually raped a woman. Oh, my God. What is
1: wrong with people?
0: And again, no one reported this to police. Jeez. Yeah. So January 26th. This is just nine days after Denise was uh was taken and seven days after she was found, uh her funeral was held. Oh, that must have been awful. It was the biggest funeral the town had ever seen. Hundreds of police officers came because this was the daughter of one of their own. Yeah. The funeral procession, so like the line of cars that goes together from the... Uh, funeral home to the um to the cemetery, yeah. Two miles long. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, there were rose petals along the road of the route. Um, all the local fire truck, all the local fire trucks from the local fire stations were parked along the route with their lights on. Um, the procession ended up going past uh, at least one elementary school. All the students were standing outside to watch the procession go by. Not like as a looky-loo, but like out of respect. Yeah, like they had out of respect. Students go outside. Everyone who was standing alongside was saluting the hearse. Oh, it was that's just, so sad. Uh,
1: what makes me so sad is that she was clearly alive. Yes, and
0: uh, she could not have been saved. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was her funeral, which sounds so sweet and absolutely like good for her family. They needed Yeah, that. yeah, that's true. So the investigation continued the day of Denise's funeral. Police got lab results confirming that Michael King had raped Denise. So oh, they added when did that he do to his that? charges. When I, don't did he did that was, I don't know if it was before or if it was pre or post mortem, but they were able to determine. Basically, that Michael had kidnapped Denise, taken her back to his home where I believe that's where he uh, assaulted her in what was I couldn't get an actual description of it. I saw it referred to several times as a rape room. Oh, That's awful. Uh, He took her out to the woods and he shot her in the head and buried her in that shallow grave. And Ugh. this is where Denise, being so smart, comes back in. Okay. Because they were searching the Camaro for clues. And I think at a certain point, Denise knew that she wasn't going to make it.
1: Did she start leaving clues like DNA?
0: She tore her hair out and shoved it under the seat. Oh, wow. Wow. And she took her heart-shaped ring off oh, and stop. hid it in the seat because she knew. Yep. I mean, I wonder, do you think she learned any of this from her dad? Uh, Nate said that she really loved Law & Order. <laughs> oh, so yeah, that makes sense. On that Dateline episode, they the interviewer asked him, like, Do you think that she did this on purpose? And Nate said that she left that specific ring there on purpose because she knew I could identify it with zero hesitation. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So sad. That is so sad. So the trial started on August 24th, 2009, which, by the way, seems really fast to me. Like, that is some fast work. Every
1: time researching cases like this, it does always feel... Oh, my God. I'm having a stroke. It feels like when we're researching these cases that the trials take a really long time to start. Like it's always either... It's always a couple couple of years. Yeah, a couple of years. So I am always shocked when I hear like... This one was what, eight months? yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. It was a very fast trial. It lasted a couple of days. And on August 28th, after two and a half hours of deliberations, the jury found Michael King guilty. Good. And on September 4th, in a 12-0 vote the jury recommended the death sentence. Wow. Kind of circling back around to Nate. In August of 2 th- or in October of 2009, Nate Lee filed a wrongful death suit against Charlotte County. Oh, why? She said they dropped the ball. They had the information. No one reported it to the other police station. It actually I I forgot to mention this earlier. When Jane went in and told the Northport Police Department, hey, there's this 911 call, it took them two days to even find the call. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So that's awful. Nate was saying, I don't even care about money, but someone needs to be held accountable for this. Which I agree with him. Absolutely.
1: I, I mean, I'm kind of surprised that dad let everybody off so easily. But I get because he's a police officer. That's his team. Like, I kind of get his loyalty to that. But at the same time, good for the husband. for
0: uh, That like, wasn't the dad that was saying that. That was um, oh. a different sheriff in that department.
1: Oh, I thought that was the dad that was like, I'm not going to, like, make a big deal out of this. Okay.
0: That was John Davenport. Uh, oh okay well that makes more sense that is rick and actually rick it is so sad because he says that we let my daughter down and he's like i say we because that's my department too oh it's so sad Rick, that is sad so october 2009 nately filed this suit july 2012 there was a trial it was supposed to be two weeks long but i guess on day i think if i read this article right on day 4 nathan lee gave his testimony and on the 5th day they announced that there would be a settlement in the case oh really yeah they did not they stopped the trial they said we'll, we'll settle oh good and what did they settle for 1.25 million
1: Wow. So when people settle out, do they ever see this money? Like, remember in the Elisa Bustamante case and um, Elizabeth
0: Olton's Oh, mom? yeah. So that was a wrongful death suit against a person. This was after the police department.
1: Oh, OK. So, yeah. So then they are going to see at least some money.
0: Oh, no. They saw all of it. Oh, OK. So um, I actually really appreciate this article that I read because it was very thorough Uh, the police department pays into a insurance pool. And if anything happens, and it basically keeps costs down for everybody. So if something happens with a particular police department, the pool helps cover it. So the police department had to pay, essentially this was an insurance claim for them. They paid the deductible and then the insurance paid the rest. Oh, wow. Okay. Attorney's fees were just over 25%. And then Nate, his two sons, Noah, Noah and Adam, and Denise's parents all split the rest of the money between them, 25% for each. Oh, wow. Okay. So Nate, Noah, and Adam got $191,759 each. Uh-huh. And Denise's mother and father got the same amount for the two of them. Oh, Okay. Which is, that's, that's a lot. And also, can you imagine? These kids are so young. That is like their entire college paid for.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Which, I mean, not awesome, but do you know what I mean? The
0: circumstances are super shitty, but they Mm. more than deserve this for what happened. Yeah. Kind of going back in time a little bit, six months after Denise died, and this would be before the, um, the trial. So this was July, 2000, June 2008. Nathan started the Denise Amber Lee Foundation. Aww. And together he and Rick rallied and lobbied for a bill to be passed mm-hmm. to require more training for 911 dispatchers. Oh, wow. Uh, Denise's story was featured on Dateline, The Today Show, and 2020, along with many other news outlets. And uh, the Gulf Coast Community Foundation of Venice is the largest community foundation in Florida. Uh-huh. They partnered with the Denise Amber Lee Foundation to give their muscle and their money to get this message out more. Uh uh-huh. And in 2010... Florida state legislature unanimously passed Denise's Law which uh creates set standards for um certification for 911 oh. dispatchers.
1: Oh nice. Yes.
0: So one of the articles I read I think was published in 2012 and at that point six states had similar certification laws. I haven't looked at the statistics as of today, but I know it's more than six now. So more and more states are developing laws that are requiring certifications for certain amounts of training and certain standards of training. I didn't know this. I think this is so interesting. And again, you guys, everybody should listen to Within the Trenches because... I need to
1: start listening to that. Oh
0: my God, it's so good. But... Nine one one operators have to go through very specific training in order to be certified to give directions for CPR over the phone. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I can't remember what the certification is called, but it's like they have to be certified. Um, it's like a med certification in order to uh direct you to do CPR, direct you to uh like if you call and you're like, oh, I think my grandma's having a stroke. Um they have to have a certain certification to talk you through how to verify if that's really the problem and then how to get them uh, the medical aid they need until first responders arrive.
1: I've, I've heard several 911 operators give um, CPR.
0: Most of them are certified. Yeah. It's, It's a part of requirements for their job. Oh, in a lot of places not everywhere yeah okay um, most places are starting to require it so okay uh so yeah i mean this this story is so sad because i know i wasn't i kind of glossed over some age details denise was 21 years old oh she was just a baby yeah oh no yeah she was 21 years old um she oh, that's so sad. The 911 call, you could just hear how how scared she was and I think if I got the timeline right, I think this was after she had already been raped. Oh, that's
1: yeah that's what I was asking like before. I'm, I'm if,
0: pretty sure it was before that phone call. Okay. Oh, that sucks. It's just so sad. So, yeah. um yeah, I mean ultimately This foundation is doing good things. They travel nationally sharing Denise's story. And um, it's the Denise Amber Lee Foundation. I'm pretty sure that they have training materials on their website. They have a whole um, education course that you can take. Oh, wow. It's they're doing good things for good reasons. And this has become Nate's mission is to hold dispatchers to a higher standard. Um and Well they should. They should I mean yeah. It's just between the first operator just not getting it for three minutes of that phone call, she's going, Hello. Yeah. Like that that really pissed me off.
1: Yeah. It's sometimes it's super hard listening to nine one one calls. Oh yeah, because, because I'm sitting here on my couch going, What the yeah, hell are you doing? I know, exactly. Like it's 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 If the worst 911 call, I actually, it was on a recent um, episode of Invisible Choir. I was listening to the episode of the woman who was basically stuck in her car. She got drowning in her car. Yes.
0: Yes. Oh my God. And that woman was like, that
1: woman was so rude. But then at the same time, I don't know. I get where she was coming from, but I don't. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, because. I I get it. I don't know. I don't know. It's just hard because you also have to put yourself in the situation of both people too. So, But those 911 operators, um, they are trained and they go through um, serious evaluations to see if they can handle pressure like that, Uh especially when someone's freaking out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We hear so many times about the bad dispatchers that it kind of makes everyone go like, well, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah. I really like this podcast because it highlights the, the training that they receive, the thought processes they put into things. He also very openly admits some of the things that he does that probably irritate civilians. One of the things he said is that, you know, when we're trained, we're trained to go through specific questions in specific orders and it ju- just becomes muscle memory. So if I'm yeah. sitting here and you've already told me your address and I go, okay, ma'am, what's your address? I know that I already asked you the second that the question comes out, but I'm on autopilot. Yeah, And it's not that I'm not listening to you. It's that I am sunk so deep into my training that I am just going through it in the order that I know. So like... He almost apologizes for it that he's like, you know, I'm sorry if if dispatchers ask you things that you've already told them, just answer it again. Mm-hmm. Like they're mm-hmm. asking you for a reason, just do it again. It's fine. and
1: they're doing so many things at the same time. Yes, like yeah.
0: And he d- goes into details about that, about all the things going on behind the scenes while they're talking to you. It is so interesting. I cannot yeah. recommend this. Podcast well, I need to. Now. I
1: need to check it out. Do I already it. added it to my uh, my playlist. Yeah, so. do it.
0: All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. So this has been a. um an hour long recommendation for the podcast (laughs) within the trenches.
1: (laughs) Maybe within the trenches we'll, we'll recommend us. us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. So Uh,
0: yeah, that is, that's us for this week. Nice. Well, thank you. You are welcome. Um, this is usually where I say that we'll see you next week, except that we won't. I'm so right? fucking burnt out right now. <laughs> it's um, okay. I was... I have to admit to people, I I know, like, less than zero about the stock market. I'm really not that good at it. A friend of mine was talking to me about it the other day, and I, I literally was, like, breaking down crying in my cubicle at work because I didn't <laughs> understand what the fuck he was talking about. You're like, I don't know. I am, like, I'm hanging on by a thread right now. Um... I would say that I'm burning the candle at both ends, except for at this point, I fucking threw the candle in a bonfire. Oh. <laughs> so that that's my way of saying that Crystal that needs a break.
1: Before she throws herself in the bonfire. Oh, Jesus. <laughs>
0: I think I threw myself in the bonfire a, a while ago. and yeah. Well, it's okay. We'll give Crystal a break. How's please, that? <laughs> please give
1: Crystal a break. So yeah, um, um,
0: you know it's a. I don't think we've actually taken a break in and over we a year. You and I, I, we've I have never been, taken a break. Oh no. my god, we have been going so strong. Yeah. We took, I think we took a break one week because both of us had emergencies going on. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, that's right. Yep. Yeah, that was a fun week. That was a great week. <laughs> but you know what? Um, we we are going to take. Uh, I think look.
1: Two weeks off. Two weeks, yeah. And just gives you the opportunity to go back and listen to some other episodes that maybe you haven't listened to.
0: Yes. uh, Catch up on our anthology. Yeah. Send us recommendations for episodes you want to hear. We're just going to take a little bit of time off to regroup. And you know what? I think this will be good for us because it gives us the time to kind of clear our minds And come back fresh and then we can really uh, get some high quality stuff going for everybody. So this is a good thing. It's spring break for us.
1: And hopefully for you guys. So enjoy your spring break. Yes, please. Take a break from true crime, but then come back. Don't take a break (laughs) from
0: true crime.
1: Well, I mean, for spring break, just like go have fun somewhere. Don't listen to murder, although that's what I'll be doing.
0: Okay, but if they're not listening to murder, (laughs) they might become the murderer. Oh that's true. That's true. Well, have
1: a good break everybody and we will see you in 2 weeks. Yes, we will see you in 2 weeks.
0: Um and we'll we'll have some great
1: stuff for you. Yeah, just make sure you come back to listen to it. Come back
0: or else. Don't forget about me. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Kat and I are so grateful for all of our listeners and we love hearing from you guys. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Alternative Interest Podcast and let us know your thoughts on this week's case. We want to cover the things that you guys want to hear, so please email us your case suggestions at alternativeinterestpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and sharing us with your friends. Be good to each other and we'll see you next week. Humans. Do you find yourself wanting to know more about the latest murder, conspiracy, cults, or haunting? Then this is the podcast for you. We're bringing the most intense stories that'll keep you up at night. He was found guilty of voluntary manslaughter and felonious assault, but he was only sentenced to five months of probation. And this would be the last time that anyone ever saw a Uh, There are allegedly two women who also drowned in the first class pool.
1: Was this the same glowing green that they'd seen in the
0: darkness the night before? He had refused to sit near the wagon cloth because of stains on it, which were most likely blood. Join us every Tuesday for a glass of wine or sangria and a dose of true crime. I'm Alicia. And I'm Sierra. And this is Twisted Twisted and and Uncorked.